I don't know if uh, some of you will remember, but a few months ago, I actually preached on this passage. Uh, we were doing a series on miracles. And one of the things that, that Jesus kind of talks about when it comes to doing miracles is um, the way that uh, kind of the faithfulness or the faithlessness of of the folks around play a part in those miracles. So we talked a little bit about that. And we talked a little bit about uh, this boy um, who has this spirit and the boy's father. And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about this dad, okay? Um, as we do that, I want to um, introduce or reintroduce uh, the fact that we are in the midst of a series called Seeds, uh, which is actually also the name of our kind of discipleship journey um, at Bethel Community. And what we're doing is we're taking the six values that we have and just kind of unpacking each one just a little bit on a Sunday so that we can get introduced to some of these values that we're going to be exploring more over the coming weeks and months. Uh, so far, we've talked about divine presence, what it means uh, that God is with us. And we talked about deep roots of the way that our faith is one that has a long history and that invites us to enter into that history so we can continue to see how God is shaping our history as we move forward. Um, this morning, we are going to be um, exploring the value that we are calling integrated faith, integrated faith. And I just want to read for you the description of that value. We long to live integrated lives, linking belief and practice and experiencing the Lordship of Jesus in every aspect of our lives. In particular, we are serious about being emotionally healthy, as well as attentive to the ways that our culture context and identities impact how we understand and live out our faith. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> um, essentially, what that means is that we want to just be attentive to all of who we are as we enter into the presence of God and as we are a part of the people of God. And as we are attentive to all of who we are, we get to let Jesus into the conversation about who we are and even shape that conversation about who we are and who we're becoming. And that there's no part of us that Jesus shouldn't have access to. That's sort of what it means to have an integrated faith. So we are going to return to this story that we explored a few months ago. And this is such, this is one of, becoming one of my favorite stories in scripture because of one particular moment. And so I just wanna give us a little bit of context and then I want to dive right in. So right before this passage, Jesus has spent some pretty significant time with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, on a mountain. And, and this is sort of the moment that many folks call the transfiguration, where Jesus becomes really bright and has a conversation with God on a mountain witnessed by Peter, James, and John. They are freaked out. They have no idea what to do. And they kind of don't know what's happening. Um, but they have this amazing interaction. And then they come down the mountain to this scene. And in this scene, you've got a dad who has brought his son to Jesus. But Jesus wasn't there because he was shining brightly on a mountain with his three buddies. So he brought 
uh, his son to the rest of the nine disciples and is like, heal my son. And so they are like, okay, I'm going to heal. We're going to heal your son. And then they don't do it. They're not doing it. (laughs) They're trying. They're trying. They're trying. They're not doing it. So then when Jesus comes off the mountain, he's like, Jesus, I was looking for you. Um, my son has this issue, has this spirit that leaves him un- unable to speak and hear, and I need you to cast him out. And Jesus looks around and he has this sort of exasperation. And we're not going to dive into this exasperation today, but it's really interesting to me that as he sees this scene and he sees the inability for his disciples to heal this boy, he's like, oh, faithless generation. What am I to do with you? How long do I have to be with you? This is sort of an interesting tone from Jesus, right? And then he's like, bring the boy to me. Okay. So here's the moment that is the most interesting to me. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, it immediately convulsed the boy and he fell fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. So as soon as the spirit sees Jesus, it seemingly recognizes Jesus and then just starts going crazy in the boy. And so at that moment, one would expect that the next thing that Jesus would do is heal the convulsing boy. That seems to make sense to address the convulsing boy. But no, (laughs) what Jesus does instead is instead of addressing the convulsing boy, he's like, so dad. How long has this been going on, right? He begins to, to, to be a doctor in this moment, which is really interesting to me because I always come to this moment and feel tension. A hundred percent of the time, my reaction is no, Jesus. Now is not the time for a conversation. Now is the time for you to heal the boy. And that's not what happens. And so it's always really fascinating to me. And so I decided to sort of dig a little bit deeper into this moment and, and what was coming up for me and also kind of what, what might Jesus be doing in this moment? Um, essentially, if I was the dad, I'd be like, hey, dude, I did not come here for a conversation. I came here because people said you could do a thing. You could heal. So you need to do your thing and heal. And I think Jesus would reply and say, I am healing. (laughs) I am healing. (laughs) Um, Here's the thing. We have this conception of life where when we think something should be done, we sort of think kind of monodimensionally, right? If I'm here to get my kid healed, you're going to heal my kid. (laughs) Like that's what it's sort of his transactional way of living. And Jesus is decidedly not transactional, not even close. Because in that culture, one of the things that made a lot of sense, in fact, maybe the most sense, is that people made sense of life through stories. And stories are fundamentally non-transactional things right? They understood something that a lot of us struggle to understand or just don't understand, right? Like that we are not primarily rational people. We are emotional, imaginative people. 
And the way to one's imagination is through stories. And it is interesting to me that Jesus, in this moment where a transactional thing needs to take place, is actually trying to engage the father's story. That seems interesting to me. Why would he do that? Well, spoiler, I think he does that because essentially the healing that needs to happen is a holistic one, right? A boy needs to be healed. That is true. And eventually we get there, which is amazing, right? Um, But also the dad needs to be healed, (laughs) And it's interesting that Jesus sees that need so clearly and exposes it by asking this question. So, you know, how long has this been happening to him? (laughs) That one question sort of becomes the portal for the dad's healing. And I would argue to you this morning that in addition to the way that this dad needs to see his son see a supernatural healing, that this dad also needs to experience healing in his own story. And that to engage, and that the way that Jesus engages this dad's story and this family story is what it means for us to have an integrated faith. That our faith is not simply about seeing Jesus transactionally and vending machine-like do the things that we ask, but that Jesus is constantly trying to ask us questions that unearth the most foundational parts of our story and make an invitation for him to be a part of those foundational bits of our stories. And so he does this with the dad. He says, how long has this been happening to him? And you can hear some things, right? I'm going to unearth some cultural context as well as some common sense maybe. And and see, see if you can kind of track with me what kind of foundational stories might be going on for this dad. You see, um, this kid has had this condition since his childhood. So he's not a child anymore, right? He's not a child. It's been happening for a long time. And he's literally asking, right, like, how long does this have to happen? Will my son die? And in a culture where, um, where male children often are the people that take care of parents, when the parents see that a male child is incapacitated from participating in society, that means something for the parents. It means something socially. It means something financially. It means something spiritually. And they're asking these questions likely, if if our son can't take care of us, who will take care of us? Will we be poor? Will we be vulnerable? There is a lot of anxiety wrapped up in this son's condition. I'm willing to bet that because now he's not a child, but this has been happening since childhood, that there have been a lot of options tried. There have been a lot of ways that they've explored things. They may have prayed a lot and nothing. They may have gone to doctors and nothing. They may have seen spiritualists and healers and yet nothing. And here comes a guy who says and who other people say can do amazing things, but didn't they say that about the doctor? And didn't they say that about the healers? How are you any different, Jesus? 
And then what's worse is that his disciples come and they also can't do anything. (laughs) Can you hear the despondency in what the father says? If you can do anything for us, please take pity on us and help us. Can you hear the despondency? And then why? Why would you do anything for us? Because if you are as special as everyone is claiming that you are, we are decidedly not special. We are just a family with a kid who has made us tired and who has made himself tired and who is very tired because he's been so sick. We are not special. Why would you do this thing for us? Why do we deserve this thing? Even in their culture, to have a son that is like this might suggest that there is sin in their lives. So they're thinking, if, if, if God has come to meet us, why? When this thing might be evidence of the fact that there's sin in our lives. You can begin to see the ways that just this one question can unpack so much about what this dad is experiencing. And he begins to tell Jesus the story of of what it's done to his son and what it's done to their family. And there's this plea, but if you can do anything, if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Have compassion on us and help us. Yes, the child needs to be healed, and so does his father. The father needs Jesus to come in and edit his story, and that's what Jesus does. Jesus edits his story. He says, if you can, let me make sure I get this right, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes The beginning of editing this man's story, of coming into those places where there is the most despondency, the most anxiety, right? And part of what Jesus is doing is retranslating this man's life. It feels bold of Jesus to do this. It feels kind of presumptuous, to be honest. And so if he's going to do it, he better be right, (laughs) Because I think some of us know how it feels for other people to try and tell our stories. And that has not gone very well. But Jesus begins to reframe this man's story. Um, If you can, if you are able, all things are possible to the one who believes. And essentially, um, that word for belief is actually the word for faith. Um, and, and what faith is, is, is it's not just a mental assent to a thing. It is, faith is essentially what happens when our bodies and our beliefs match up and result in what our lives look like. Faith is when our bodies and our beliefs intersect and come together to form our lives. That is what faith is. And essentially what Jesus begins to say to this man is actually in the midst of your despondency, you made a choice to come to me and I can see your faith. In addition to the things that are happening inside of you, in addition to the way that you have been um, despondent and anxious about real things, you have also chosen faith in me 
by coming to me in this moment. And this is really important because at this moment, uh, this man, this father has the opportunity. Like, am I going to choose the reframing that Jesus is giving me? Am I going to choose to believe not only in the way that I have been anxious and, and in the way that things have been tiring and despondent for me, but am I also going to choose to believe that this is a moment of faith as well? And the father's response is an affirmation of Jesus's reframing of the story. Yes, I believe. I have faith because I'm here. Help my unbelief because I don't know if you're going to do anything. And I don't know if I'm worth it. And I don't know if I have the energy to ask. What a thing that Jesus does for this father. It feels so strangely timed, and yet it feels so generous. Because otherwise, we have a vending machine interaction. Come heal me. Okay, boop a doo boop yay, done. And yes, a lot of the anxiety is fixed in the midst of that moment. Um, a lot of the despondency is fixed, sort of, in that moment. But what we recognize is that as people with stories, even though things get better in our lives, the stories linger. The stories linger. We still have to continually reframe for ourselves. Even though this thing has happened to me, I'm not that person anymore. Even though I have overcome this addiction, even though I have overcome this challenge, sometimes I may believe that I am still the person struggling with that, when in fact God has actually done something amazing for me. And so the reason that it's important that Jesus reframes this man's story is so that this man can remember that I have faith and that Jesus met me and meets me. I have faith. I have despondency and anxiety but I also have faith. And he can hold all of those things together and make a choice to come to Jesus with everything he has, his sick son, as well as his story. I know for me, um, it's interesting because um, in the midst of this sort of national moment, I think that one of the things that a lot of, that I hear from a lot of people is we need to fix racism. We need to fix white supremacy. We need to make all this stuff better. And I'm like, amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, do it. We need to fix these broken systems. We need to make sure that we are protecting the most vulnerable among us, that our society is organized to see and meet the needs of the most vulnerable all the time. Yes. And also, there is a way that having not done that in our lives has told us about who we are. And for me particularly, as a black person, as a black cisgendered man in this country, one of the things that, one of the scripts that I have heard in the midst of this broken system, ironically, is that I am not black enough. You see, I'm going to give you like a 30 second history of my life. Um, my mother was born into a, a family that was relatively working class, not relatively, they were working class. And as she began to make a family for herself, her conviction was my kids aren't going to struggle. 
And the way my kids aren't going to struggle is that they're going to end up in the best schools and in the best situations, bar none. So that's what she tried to do. In the midst of doing that, what happened was I got an education and she saw that as my success story. But we went to a black church that was socioeconomically diverse. And when all those kids recognized me as a kid with education, they said, you're not black enough. How interesting. What an interesting thing to hear for my whole life. My friends, literally my whole life since I was four. Even to last week. It's like a, it's like a continuing through line, right? And in this moment where our country is going through all of this, Jesus has begun to say, I want to return to that thing that people keep telling you. And I'm like, okay, okay, Lord, can you end white supremacy? Also heal me, (laughs) right? Like both things need to happen in this moment. For me, as I continue to engage that script because people keep trying to put it on me, I can return to the ways that God has already affirmed who I am because God created me. I can return to the ways that God has given me a purpose that goes beyond people's definitions of blackness. I can return to the ways that I have a calling and a purpose that I can lean into, and I don't have to compare myself to anybody else in the midst of that calling and purpose. I will tell you that me being able to summarize all of these things is really the work of God in my life, because when I was 20, I was really insecure and all these scripts basically shut me down. And I had a faith essentially like this dad. Can you do anything for me? I did not know. And so in this particular cultural moment that there that we are in, I have received this invitation. It's not just about the way that I want to end white supremacy in this country and the way that Jesus wants to see peace and justice roll down. It's also about the way that those things need to come into my own story and I need to see myself more the way that God sees me. My friends, in this moment, in this cultural moment, we all have stories that are being activated daily. And in as much as Jesus wants to address injustice, Jesus also wants to talk to us about our stories that get activated in this moment. And I wanna say, just let Jesus have a conversation with you about those things. It's a good conversation. It's worth it. It truly is worth it, my friends. Because what I don't want us to do is just magically think that, 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 that it's about all the things happening out there. That Jesus's work to bring justice is really just about all that stuff over there. Um, It's about replacing this person and putting in this person and burning down that statue and building up this structure. It's also about us. It's also about our stories and the questions Jesus wants to ask you about who you are and who you've become and who Jesus wants you to become in this moment. It is both and, my friends. It is both and. My encouragement to us this morning is to lean into the questions that Jesus is asking us about ourselves in this moment. Maybe they're questions about gender. Maybe they're questions about our ethnicity, about our parents, about what our families have said to us. 
Those are good things to explore. And as you explore those things, don't worry. You are not simply forgetting about the way that Jesus needs to bring justice in our world. You are falling in line with the way that Jesus is a holistic healer who can also, while holding on to our world, are bending that arc toward justice, can also hold on to us and bend our hearts so that they begin to be more and more the way that God wants them to be.